What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, welcome to Stand Up, Speak Up. This is Carla, your host. And today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to meet a death doula. And I'm going to be learning as you learn, because I have no idea what that term means or what it's about. So I'm going to be finding out just as you are finding out. Many of you know also I have stage four um, breast cancer. So it'll also be interesting for me because it's an area I need to get more educated on. So I get and prepare for my own death that I hope is um, far off. But with cancer, (laughs) you really never know. So welcome, Doreen. Thank you, Carla. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what is a death doula. I know what a birth doula is because those have been around for a while. They help people give give a person birth in their own home. Is that that's what a birth doula does? Yes, birth doulas will guide them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been around. It's a Greek word. It's been around for centuries. And a death doula really is, in a sense, helping someone with their transitioning, like with their death. So it's helping someone to, you know, have the best life they can during that journey and to help them plan whatever it is that they want, you know, um, sort of their death to look like, if that makes sense. And how far out, like someone like me who I'm stable right now, but that can change the day that my medicine stops working and I go into testing. And I don't know when that comes. I have my next scan. Um, I have it every three months. So I learn Mm -hmm. every three months, you know, basically what's, what's, what my situation is. But how long out do you think that someone should be working with a a death doula? Hmm. Well, it really varies. But for me, I, you know, when somebody is diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, um, I would suggest meeting with a death doula at that point. And it's just really to, to meet each other and to have a sense of what it is that you would, that you sort of envision because death doulas can help with, uh, you know, start doing your legacy work. And that's really important. Well, to me, I think legacy work is really important. And then the other is just having that kind of conversation as to, you know, where do you want to be when you're dying? Do you want to be at home? Do you want to have resources around you? Do you want to be in a hospice or do you want to be in a, you know, in a a hospital? And then the other is, what does that look like? Does that, you know, um, you know, if you're at home, what are the people that you'd want to have around? What would the setting be like? Do you want to be outside? Would you want to you know, be inside. Like for me, it took me a long time because I always ask people, you know, what is it? How? What's the environment that you'd like it to be? And I finally realized that what I would like, I love a breeze on my face. I know it sounds funny, mm-hmm. but I do. I just love that soft breeze. So I realized yeah. I would really like to be on a screened in porch or something like that, just uh, with the fresh air and you know, a soft breeze. Um, so it's for people to think about those sort of things. And if you, you know, choose not to die at home, um, well, first of all, you choose to die at home. What are the different resources? Because some people, you know, they can, and then for some, it just gets too much because 
the big thing really is being able to manage pain, right? So that people aren't in pain. Okay, so we talked about that for a bit with sure. pain. Because what I found is with some of my friends that have passed away that I've met during my cancer journey, they had a lot of pain. So they originally thought they wanted to die at home. But the two that I'm thinking of, they quickly changed their mind and wanted to be in a hospital that mm-hmm. could better manage their pain. Sure. Do you think that's like, is that the way it goes a lot of times or do people just set up their pain better? Well, um, I can only speak from some experience where um, I think if you have an opportunity to get a hospice involved, because there's home hospices, you know, home visiting hospice, and they help to manage the pain. And so people can stay at home. Um, I think with people staying home, it's a matter of really having the resources around you. Mm-hmm. And not only that, how comfortable are the family to have you being in the home? Um, and so and it's about real estate value. Like a lot of people after they pass away, they also put their house up for sale. How, how, how much of an impact would that make? Hmm, that's a really good question. You know, I was just thinking of that. I'm like, gosh, if I passed away at this home and then Al goes to sell it and he has to say, oh, somebody died here. Um, is that going to put him in more predicament? Or do I just say in my head, well, I don't give a shit about that. I'm still going to do what I want to do. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I would probably I mean, that's interesting. I would probably choose the latter <laughs> only because it is your home. It's not like I mean. I hope this comes across right. It's not like it's a tragic death. It's not like somebody was yes. killed in your home. I mean, you know, it, you, it was it's your home and it was a beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go off. We're going to veer a little bit off and we're going to come back to the death doula because sure. this kind of raises other questions for me. So I believe that when you, when you die, um, you then get met by someone that you're close to in your family. They take you towards the light, whatever that may be. And then I'm given the opportunity to, to come back and reincarnated. Mm-hmm. And, and also I'm able to choose the life that I want to have based on the learning I want to have for my soul. And I started to believe that when, um, a friend was trying to call me when I was so scared of death. And I was like, how, how do I manage every day thinking I could die anytime? And she said, what are your beliefs of death? And I said, I don't, I don't know. She said, well, let's go through a few. And then the one that stuck for me was the reincarnation. Mm -hmm. And then in the last month, I was always thinking that we have to have a purpose in life, but now I'm like, I I don't think that's true anymore, holds true anymore. I think that we need to have a learning in life and that we're here to learn something for our soul to be able to tech, take to the next lifetime. And that's why some of us come in this world with more wisdom. I would say knowing you for as long as I have, which is a long, long time, I believe you're a very old soul mm-hmm. and that you um, have had a lot of um, wisdom that you've used to help others through your whole life. Hmm. Well, that comes with a lot of learnings, as you would call it. Yeah, (laughs) it comes with a lot of learnings. But 
what is your feelings on death? What do you think death looks like? I mean, are you allowed to even give people your opinion when they come to you or how does that work? Well, actually, my opinion really doesn't matter. When I'm working with someone, it would really be more about what they believe and working with that. Um, For me, I do believe in reincarnation. Um, Not that I would impose that on anyone. That's what you just asked me personally, right? So, um, yeah. And I I do feel that I have a purpose. I do feel that we all have a purpose. And I think that you have your purpose and there's you know, as in doing what you're doing now, like, well, so many different things. I mean, you've done so many amazing things in life, Carla. And with that purpose also comes a lot of learnings. And, you know, some people call them learnings. Some people call them, for me, I've, I've made mistakes, but I've learned from them. And it's yes. helped me to grow. So I, I like the term learnings versus, <laughs> you know, uh, yes, mistakes. I believe, and I wholeheartedly believe this, that we learn more from our failures. Yes. And also we're able to help others more through our failures. And we get stuck in a world of talking about successes. But I I enjoy hearing about a person's success, but I get a lot more interested and a lot more engaged if they talk about a failure mm-hmm. as well. Well, because it's a learning, right? And it's, yeah, and what do you... You know, because I, for me, I always, that's why I, I love people. I love hearing their stories. Um, and that's why I enjoy so much doing legacy work with people. And and it's not just about all the good things in their life. I always encourage people to talk about those lessons so that, you know, their grandkids can learn from them. Like, you know, maybe an example would be somebody went bankrupt and this is, you know, what happened. And so, you know, doing that, they're trying to help them to be more, you know, fiscally responsible or to try and manage money or, you know what I mean? Like it's, there's so many different learnings for people to share. I'm still, I don't, I, I think a lot about what my soul needs to learn before it it goes. Cause I constantly wonder why, why am I still here when others get my exact cancer and they go within a year? I mean, the average is three years and I'm really far beyond that. I'm, going into my fourth year diagnosed, but really was undiagnosed for almost five years. So it's, you know, I've been really um, with cancer for a long time. And I'm thinking, I believe that in order for me to leave this, you know, this time period, Mm -hmm. uh, there's something I still have to learn. There's a learning still left. Is it a learning or a sharing? I mean, we all have our own path, right? Yeah, you're right. It could so, be a sharing. So. Like, is it, and sometimes I have to wonder, am I here longer? Because Zach needs just a little bit more guidance for him to become the person, you know, he is going to be for the rest of his life, you know, because he's only 20. And, and do I have to be here longer for Al? So there's less time period we're apart because the listeners might not know. But my husband is 24 years older than me. So I met him when I was quite young, fell in love. I believe he is my soulmate. And that's why one of the reasons I believe in actual reincarnation was because I believe when I met him, I had known him for so long. I I just didn't know what words to put around it. And then I learned the word about reincarnation and it really stuck for me. Um, 
So anyways, with that in mind, you know, we're going to have less time apart with me also having stage four cancer, which is kind of a messed up way of looking at things. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because, you know, we have our son and, you know, I feel sad to also mm. to leave him. But OK, and you, then you also talk about legacy. Mm -hmm. So is it egotistical to have a legacy? Oh, my goodness. Um, no, I, well, I don't feel it is. Um, it's a matter of sharing. I mean, it's and it's interesting you say that because I've been thinking about this lately. I always say that I really enjoy legacy because I get to learn about that person and it helps them to be able to capture their life and to share their life. And at the same time, I think, do I spend so much time with the person doing legacy? Do they miss out on the moments, on the current moments, on the present moments? I thought about this. I love photography. Okay, if I go off on a rant, just tell me. I love photography and I'm always taking pictures, but I realized also that I'm taking, I love capturing a moment, right? But then I miss the next moment because I'm so busy in that moment that I was trying to capture. I don't know if that makes any sense. So the thing to me I'm learning is just to be in the moment. You know, we have one of your 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 photographs in... in oh, I forgot. Oh, thank you. One from, um, that you took of that man in India. It's, oh, in India. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. Anyway, I probably just went off on a tangent, but I think that I'm reminded more and more about just being in the moment. And so, I mean, if we can help people capture their legacy, and there's so many different ways of doing it, you know, I mean. You know what, I, Doreen, I feel like I just had an aha moment when you talked about this. I feel like I sometimes am getting ready with writing Zach letters that he has. Mm -hmm when he gets to certain ages or certain milestones or his first big failure that I, you're right. I can forget to live in the moment because I'm so worried about not being part of a moment in the future yeah, and not being there for him. It's that interesting. Eh? Yeah. Just a quick interjection. I'm Zach Tolstoy, one of the founders of stand up, speak up. Our podcast is just one part of the Stand Up Speak Up brand. We are supported by an online store of the same name where we sell a variety of artisan products. We have an ongoing blog series with over a dozen contributors and we offer a series of interactive workshops. Throughout the different iterations of Stand Up Speak Up, our core message and purpose have always been the same. To create a site that allows our customers and us more opportunities to speak up about and support causes, organizations, and groups that we're passionate about, and that of course could use additional support. My mother and I have learned about allyship over the years from what feels like a thousand and one places and people. We want to encourage members of this fantastic Stand Up Speak Up community to come along and learn with us. So along with our team, we created this workshop featuring videos, articles, and exercises that have really helped the two of us in our own journey towards allyship. Don't worry, it doesn't cost any money, and you don't need to make an account to access the information. We want to make our workshop as accessible as possible because we believe in our message and understand the importance of spreading awareness. The Ally Workshop is split into eight parts, including interactive quizzes and helpful videos. It's intended to introduce you to new skills and courses of action in the world of allyship. 
The workshop is easy to use and can be done entirely on your cell phone, tablet, or computer at your own pace, with each of the eight sections taking an average of about 15 minutes or so to complete, or a breezy couple hours on a Sunday afternoon. really an interesting way of looking at things. So when people start working on their legacy project, what, what, what is one of the ones that really touched your heart that you thought, ah, that's really a nice way to do it. One, and it was really very simple. This woman, her, her mother was, um, she loved to cook. And so what she did is she pulled together all the really special things from her mom, like a rolling pin and like a tea towel. And I mean, those were all, you know, physical things and some of her recipes and, and was able to give some of those recipes when she died, because that's the other part is at someone's funeral, you can always, you know, like funerals aren't, I mean, I'm not going to get off in a funeral, but you know, funerals are kind of like they used to be, you know, very solemn or whatever. Now you yeah. can incorporate so many different things into them. So for that particular one, it was her legacy really focused on her mom and her, her cooking and what it was like for her as a child, being with her mom and the theater, you know, like doing baking and all of that and what her mom was like. Just, yeah, just, I mean, that's a very simple one. And some people will set up whole legacy projects or they'll set up a funding, you know, uh, for any future projects that their grandchildren might want to do. And some of them will do, you know, books or audio. Uh, I so wish, Carla, that I would have saved one of my mom's voice messages. But wait, I mean, just, and it's going to be 42 years that mom died. <laughs> so back then it wasn't really all that common to do that, right? But um, I wish I would have saved that, you know, because just to hear that voice, right? So a no. lot of people are doing that. That raises, well, when I was a customer service rep at Bell Mobility, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. um, people would want to get theirs taped. Mm. And I always thought that was such a beautiful thing, but it wasn't so easy to do. It was a little bit complicated. Uh, and yeah. so at, at Oscar, we put in a program that if somebody says that they're the person has passed and they want some memories of them, where we would do it in a nicer way and a more managed way. Wow. Yeah. That's that, I always thought that was so beautiful, but, and sorry, I shouldn't just bring up ad hoc things, but Oscar yeah. is a company in Czech Republic for the listeners that um, was a telecom company that I was fortunate that I got to, um, to lead through all the startup and I had an amazing career that way. Yes. And so I was able to learn lessons from other things, which was great. Wow. That's a beautiful initiative. And what about the other thing I, I think about too, is how are funerals changing? Like are people still going to a traditional yeah. funeral home or are they doing things a little bit more at a, like a little more different, I guess is the right word. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it seems, I mean, I, it's not a factual thing, but it seems that funerals are a bit different. I mean, there's still, you know, um, religious funerals. Um, it seems that, um, seems like more are taking place in, either in the funeral home themselves or into a different space, you know, um, could be into a restaurant, could be a banquet hall or whatever, depending what the person wants. 
some people might want a really religious, like, a, you know, maybe a Catholic might want a high mass or something. Or, you know, if you um, are Buddhist, you might want it in a temple or something, you know, just so it's really taking in the difference now, too, is that um, at one time it was really quite set. You could only play certain kinds of music and et cetera. Now it's much more, yeah, I guess the words liberal. You can introduce different types of music and if you can bring in different, like, here's an example. There was, was at a funeral home and a family was Italian. The gentleman died. And every Friday, people just knew that if um, if they're around, they pop in and there's always going to be pizza on a Friday night, right? And the gentleman died in one particular funeral home. Uh, they had a late in the afternoon, one of the viewings, and there's a knock on the door and you know, the celebrants are like, you know, what's going on? Opened the door and then these people came in with boxes of pizza. So there's all kinds of different, you know, ways to honor someone so it doesn't always have to be your traditional funeral i never considered in my funeral my world that it would i would ever have it in a church i just it would be outside at the cottage or in a Mm -hmm. in a in something interesting like an art gallery or Uh something that was near and dear to my heart i in my mind which is really probably good for me to state I, I never thought about a church, and I always assumed I would be cremated. Well, that's the Even other thing, right, for people to talk about that. What is it people want? Do you want to be yeah. buried? Do you want to be cremated? You well, know? cremated, I do have this fear, though, that they cremate me. I'm not dead yet. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like I'm always like, please make sure. Like, yeah. definitely make sure that I am. You'll be triple assured. Absolutely. Triple assured. You know, yeah. and I think that's a fear of other people too. That, um, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, before <laughs> you get buried and you're in <laughs> like the whole thing is like, please make sure. I'm oh God, yes, yeah. Um, so if we, so it's good. I agree to get people talking because just us talking right now, it's starting to kind of have an effect on me. Where I'm like, you know, I really need to think about this I did think about it earlier but I think a lot's changed mm-hmm. as I've evolved in the last few years and I've learned a lot more about myself and I think I have a stronger voice now in voicing that I want it to be not traditional mm-hmm. and for it to be really How about you yeah and but not just about me I want it also I really want somehow grieving something to help people ease over the the grief and not walk away sad, but walk away uplifted Hmm. Mm -hmm. and inspired and knowing that life is to be lived. Mm -hmm. And I don't want anybody to wear black. I want lots of colors. Mm. And live music, I think. Like, I think there's, I just want it to be more like a party mixed in with honoring. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And really for people to leave in a better state than they arrived. And I think that that is mm-hmm. probably how I'd like for it to go. Well, see, that's what doulas do. They help. We help to plan those sort of things. And, and the other part of it too, Carla, is that is 
you know, as you start to talk about it more um, and have things in place, it really helps the family when the time does come, right? So there's not that stress. It's like, oh, yeah, we know what Carla would like. Carla would like this kind of music. No, but she doesn't like people wearing black, you know. Helps people feel, you know, somewhat uplifted. And that would be a part of your eulogy. So when people do leave, it's like, wow, Carla, you know, like, you know, what you have done and how you, and here's, you, you know, it's so part of your nature is to ensure that people are okay. And here you are making sure that people are okay as they leave your memorial or celebration of life or whatever you wish to call it, right? Because you know, you just, I, I know, I know for a fact that I'm going on to a better place. Hmm. And I don't want those left behind to be stuck with horrible grief. Well, I, I, if I may, I mean, of course people are going to be sad, Carla. You won't be around. Like, you know, people will be definitely sad. And they, and they you know, and you need to recognize that, that, you know, of course they'll be sad, you know, as to what, how people deal with their grief after you're gone is their journey, right? And so for you, it's living your best life you can now and planning what it is that you want. And people know what you want. And it, it, it also helps people... I feel anyway, if someone is able to plan their funeral and plan it in the way that they would like it to be, it also helps people mourn easier. Yeah, I agree. And set up you know, support systems for them. Yeah, this, this is available if you should need it or whatever. Yeah. Because grief, you know, you can't escape grief. No. So if it takes the four months of the initial really horrible time, what I guess I would want to now, and I should be thinking of this now, research the best type of therapies and, and, and ways to get those that are going to be sad. And I really think of um, my husband and my son who mm-hmm. really have lost a family. You know, it was yeah. three of us and, and, then I think there's the outer layers. My parents, of course, will be sad and my and my close family, but the, the Alan and Zach are gonna just be hit so hard. Mm-hmm. And what can I what can I do? Like what are things you could do to set them up? Well, I think what one of the things is to really just be aware of what's out there. Because the thing is you can spend a lot of time trying to do that, but that really takes your time away from just being. So, you know, it, it's Finding out what's out there so when the time does come, they know that these are different programs or this is a grief counseling that could be available to them. You know, and again, everybody's so different. And so, you know, Zach might like one, not like one, but might resonate with one versus what Al might or Al might not choose not to. Like, you know, everybody's so different. And is that what a deaf doula would help with? Would say, okay, Mm -hmm. this is the stages that your husband's going to go through. Is, is that, you know, no, because the death doula stays on for a time to be with the family. Is that usually you how can. it Yeah, it, it really depends on what the individual. Because for me, my main purpose is to be you because you're the one that would be I'd be working with. And then we incorporate the family if that's what the person wants. You'd be surprised. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, depending on the relationship of the family. Right. So. Absolutely. So, and then afterwards, it's, you know, providing sort of some grief, whatever it is that they want. 
grief counseling, grief direction, just checking in. Well, what would you be doing with me? So I, let's say I've set myself up with the dignified dying with dignity mm -hmm. program, which is that you get, um, I don't want to use the word put to sleep. How, how does it word it? Oh, are you, which one are you, are you talking about made medical assistance of dying? Yeah. Or are you talking? Yeah. Okay. So made, um, that is, so you would have to go through an assessment. There's two different assessments that you'd have to go through to be approved. And then once you are approved, then you, you're working, you know, with um, the physician and some death doulas help with that, also assist with just with being with you and being with the family. We do not provide provisions or any, that's what they call it, okay. The medicine says no provisions or anything, and that's really up to the, um, up to the physician or nurse practitioners also. So then you would choose, you know, the date and time in which you would, that you would like. And then what happens is um, an assessment just beforehand is done. And, you know, you do your planning as to who you'd like to be with you during that time. And, and then what would you like done afterwards? What would you, what would your role be with me or, you know, one of the, the people that you do this with? Are most people scared before it happens? Um, I've only been involved. I don't know that answer, to be honest with you. I've been involved with two. Um, it, it seems that people are afraid not so much about dying, but how they're going to die. Like, how am I going to die? Is it going to be painful? Is it going to be tragic? Is it going to be, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so two people, yes, they were, because that was sort of, you know, that's their final decision. But they made that decision and they were, you know, comfortable with it, but still nervous. I mean, I think that's just human nature, right? It's just... I like it as a better way because I think it can all be very scheduled and you can have those around you be available mm -hmm. and you have people holding your hand. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it would be nicer, but maybe I'm wrong. It's really something to think about, right? I mean, it's because it's a, you know, it's a final decision. I mean, you can change your mind right up to just before. I can't regret that decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, so far, wrong. I'm totally fucked. So that's done. I have to make sure that that was. No. It. But I always no, but feel like I would do made, like just for me in assumptions. I've mm -hmm. always assumed that I will choose mm -hmm. when it's time to go. When the pain gets too much. When I'm not being able to add much value. There's no more learnings to be had. It's just my time has come. Mm -hmm. Well, with respect to pain nowadays, though, the majority of pain can be managed. So, I mean, if that's one of your reasons, yeah, nowadays pain can really, majority okay. of pain can be managed. It comes at a price. I mean, when I take too many painkillers, um, I'm not, I'm not as there, I'm not as quick. Like, for instance, mm. today, before we talked, I had to delay the call because my pain just shot up with my mm. back. And I needed to take pain meds and I didn't want to take too many for this call because it causes me to sometimes get confused, sometimes not sure of what I was talking about. And even me just taking the one already, I've caught myself just in our discussion oh, where I'm like, well, what? no, Carla, that was, that was like, that was a stupid thing to say, like, or how I put like a word in between a sentence that just didn't make sense but I and so the thing the, the price you pay with that is you lose your intelligence mm. 
And and I I value using my brain. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think just, I just want to be there and not be in pain, but just be there. I, I'd want to be still very involved in conversations. And so I just always think I would be in control of when I decide it's time to pass away. But majority of the people that you've helped as a death doula have not gone that route. They've gone naturally. Um, yes. And some of it is because MAID wasn't available at the time either. Okay. I see. Mm -hmm. I understand. And okay, now this is kind of, we're getting a little bit off track with this question. I don't think it's off track. People might be like, what? Um, ghosts. I mean, and when the person leaves the body, I mean, everybody has a different belief system. So right now I want to apologize to all of those that I'm shoving my belief system on the listeners. I don't, I don't mean to do that. I'm just using this as a session that I would have if it was myself and a death doula. So I just want to put that out there. But um, so when it comes to ghosts, do you ever see like anything like a light or, or energy or feel energy going up or? When working with people? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like when you're at the funeral, when, if you're with someone and they're passing away. Um, no, you're I've never seen you no, work. but what I have seen, sorry, I interrupt you. All of a sudden, somebody could just sort of sit up and they're looking way beyond you. And they're just, you can tell that they're looking at way beyond. And they say sometimes it's about, you know, they're looking at others that are waiting for them. Um, but I've never seen light or anything, but I have seen people who are looking way beyond us. I don't know how to explain that to you. I've heard that many times. One said, their loved one will just look and, and even say their old spouse's name or their mother's name or their father's yes, name. Yes. And it's like they've already almost left yes. in the way that they're, they're looking and feeling. And I also interviewed for the podcast someone that does um, cleanups when someone dies in a house and oh, let's right. say that blood has gotten out. Mm -hmm. It has to get special cleanup done because, and I didn't realize this, that uh, a person's, you know, bacteria and all those things can get even in like speakers in the TV room or mm. anywhere. And then they can create some mildew or something like not, that's not a great word, like an, another bacteria. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> Anyways, you're supposed to get it cleaned out is the message. But he sometimes will get a really strong presence and sometimes he'll even get something that comes home with him and he'll go to bed and then he'll see like a white light that's almost in his living room and he's seen he's seen that about 20 times he said and he even recorded them he calls them orbs that go around him right mm -hmm. and the recording and I mean, anything could be doctored, but talking to him, he didn't seem like a highly tech guy. Right. He was more into the, he loved the, his role of helping with people that pass away and being in their homes and seeing a little bit of who they were. Right. And yeah. he said he feels it really strongly, um, especially with the animals and the pets that will just start barking at nothing. Oh, yes, I've had that. And 
Yeah, I wasn't sure what you were referring to earlier, but um, after my mom passed, died, yeah, and I was at back in my parents' house, I, I'm like, oh my God, mom. But they say that the spirit stays with you. But then, you know, there's the famous case of that new um, magician and his wife that said if they could get to each other, whoever passes away first, they would contact the other. Apparently that contact never happened. And that kind of was disappointing for me because I always wanted to know, I always wanted to believe that you could contact someone from beyond. Mm -hmm. I, I just loved that concept, but I actually, I don't know if I believe that possible and I don't know how much I believe about psychics and if psychics are just really good at being intuitive yeah I don't know you know and I and I wish I could be in the head of a psychic to understand what they feel and what they sense because there is things that they've done that have that don't make sense that they've been able to locate a person or or right. things about a person um, once they passed away and I find that whole area quite fascinating. I guess a lot of people do. That's why it's a big industry that makes a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're trying to have one on your podcast. So. I know, right? Uh, I know. I feel like I would want to really research the right person. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'd want to have a few different people, but I think that's a really good idea. And I do have one that I actually do really have some positive thoughts about. So anyways, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because I think the psychic world is quite also quite interesting. I find that too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Like everything to do with, I think everything to do with what we don't know what happens the moment we leave is fascinating. And I really do believe we go to a much better place where there is no stress and anxiety. And we are energy that communicates at a whole different level with one another and that there is no gender, there's no color, there's nothing. It's just no energy. Cancer. Nothing. Yeah. yeah, no cancer. And I always kind of, in a way, laugh at people that are prejudiced against other um, ethnic groups or different colors, whatever it may be. Because I feel like uh, you for sure, like you're going to be reincarnated into that next. Because you, like you. Because are, of the judgment, you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're judging that person in this lifetime, that's who you're going to be in your next lifetime. So I can get ready yeah. <laughs> um, because it's coming and that's going to be your next place. Your soul has to learn is how to, lessons, yeah. Yeah, how, to, how to be less judgmental. But I do want to thank you, Doreen, because we've been talking for a bit and I really enjoyed it. And I want to say that for me, I do feel like I have some bigger thinking to do but I also want to tell the listeners on a real practical note it's also really important to have a will mm -hmm. because we don't know when our time comes and it's very hard for the family to grieve and move forward if there is no will or or people that are close to you so really make the time you can do it online even my son did it and he's only 20 well he's turning 21 in a couple months but because you don't know what's going to happen and I think you want to have, make it as easy as possible, because I do believe you go to a better place and you'll be happier, but the people you leave behind will just feel such immense sadness. And 
I didn't even ask that. He just did it because we were talking about our wills and Zach's like, you know what? I'm just going to go do one. And we were like, what are, what are you leaving? <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> my iPhone, <laughs> uh, my dog, you know, it was really cute. But, mm-hmm. you know, there are things like you even have to write down somewhere so people can find, which is included in these days, is all your email and passwords and everything. Absolutely. Your accounts, everything. Your bank yes. account. And just to streamline it. Just to streamline it. And also to say to your partner, you know, is there anything I need to do if you pass away? What are the top 10 things that I have to take care of that perhaps you were taking care of that I haven't been paying attention to? Mm-hmm. And also um, having some money in a joint account, because a lot of people keep things separate these days, that can that can manage things through probate, meaning that if when you die, your account like stops, it kind of just gets halted and you don't get access to any of the money that was in your partner's account. That's right. Or your even your parents' account. And so you have to manage it all yourself. And that can really uh, cause additional stress. Absolutely. And to look at insurance. If you're someone that keeps spending with your credit cards, you know what? Get insurance to pay off your credit card if you pass away. Get insurance to pay off your mortgage when you pass away. Like all of these things can make the grieving process a lot better for those you're leaving behind. Because I do know we're going off to a better place, but they're in this place. Yeah. And they've got to live with what what you did or didn't leave behind or take care of. So I know that that's more of a sour note that I'm ending this on. Uh, but I think it's important to, for everyone to know. So thanks, Doreen. Thank you, Carla. You coming on and sharing this with us. It's an eye-opener for me because I think there are a lot of things I need to write down and I need to put into a place that anyone can access. And I'm thinking to put it in even our, you know, we have a blog for the for our online store. I just put it in the the back un, unpublished part of the blog so it's easily will be will be gotten, but I don't have to put it in people's faces right now. No. And Carla, can I just mention one thing? Another yeah. very important thing for folks is to do advanced care planning. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole there's a whole initiative on that. It's it's you can get it online. And what it does is it just helps everybody just to work through what it is that you want with respect to your health and how, you know, if something should happen, do you want to be resuscitated or do you want to be just different things. And it also goes through the fact that, you know, do you have a will? Do you have all these accounts? And it's really, it's just a a step-by-step and it's called advanced care planning. With anybody, I mean, most of our listeners are in California. So, you know, look up to see what that is in California because it's worth going through. And I know it seems like not worth it. And you're like, oh, I'll do it another day. But we don't know when, Mm. what plans the universe has for us. So thank you for that, Doreen. You're welcome. And thanks for listening. Yes. Thanks for listening. I would love for you to leave a comment or a rating if you enjoyed this episode. I usually don't um, say that very often, but I know it's really important. I just kind of feel like, I don't know, I kind of feel like weird asking people to do another step because I'm so grateful you even listened (laughs) and enjoyed my podcast enough. And I know that it does take that one extra step to like it 
or do a comment, but it really helps the podcast to grow and to reach more people. And that, that this podcast is part of my legacy project. So people can read them. <laughs> there you go. Can read those at my funeral and be like, Marilyn in Los Angeles here says, really enjoyed Carla's podcast on XYZ. So what does a death doula do? They basically are available to do anything that you can think of that has to do with death. So if you need them to be an event marketing person, if you need them to write the obituary, if you need them to do grieving support, if you need them to organize the funeral itself with the funeral home, it's basically... If you can dream it, they'll try and do it. Doesn't mean they're not gonna bring in maybe secondary support, but it got me really thinking about my own funeral. And I think what I realize after this whole session is that I'm gonna need a larger team for a funeral. <laughs> because I want to make it a one of a kind, unique experience that actually is designed, um, I don't know how to say it without it sounding like, oh, that's so boring, or nobody wants to go to a funeral for that, but designed to have some learnings be part of it, and some goals that when people leave, They've taken away a few things that they feel more comfortable with when it comes to death. So that could be um, that at the end, they understand the importance of talking about death among family members and to not wait until somebody's almost in the situation that they're going to be dying soon. I think that's a little bit too late, honestly, to talk about it. I think that people should be having conversations as early as they can about their wishes. And so everybody understands that. And I think that people should live their life knowing that it's going to end and always be thinking in the back of their mind, what do I want people to remember me for? And it doesn't have to be something materialistic because that, I don't think anybody cares about that at the end. It probably will go back to what type of person you are. Um, have you shown kindness? Have you given love and accepted love freely? Have you overcome difficulties in your life? You know, what What do you want your life to look like on the very last few days? And for me, I've been dealing with that quite a bit for the last few years in coming to terms with that. And, and in that whole area, I, I've gotten much more clarity on how I don't want to 
celebrate my death more than how I want it to celebrate it. I, I know in some ways how, but I know more how I don't want it to be. I also think this podcast and the writings that I'm doing um, about my life and my journey are part of the legacy. And I'm hoping by giving it really raw and authentic that people can learn from that because I don't think anybody learns from someone's success or it's a harder learning to have. And I think everybody should just not be scared to think about what death looks like. So with that being said, thanks for listening. And I'm looking forward to our next guest, which I don't know who that is yet. I have a few ideas, um, but it's always going to be someone that I think all of you could benefit from um, as much as I can benefit from as I go in my journey, on my journey, figuring it out really um, what does make a life worth living. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.